But I, I thought it might be interesting before we did that to talk about a couple of misconceptions or um, things that folks might believe or have heard about the Holy Spirit that might not be true. And I'll start with one that, that I believed all the way up until I went to seminary. And I don't know if that came from my kind of reading of scripture or what, but it, I had this strange timeline of the Trinity of God. So, so you have God the creator and at creation running all through the Old Testament, you've got Yahweh God. And then when Jesus is born, God then, um, Jesus enters the scene and so God evolved and um, becomes Jesus. So then we have Jesus for his lifetime, death, resurrection, ascension. And then at Pentecost, God um, becomes the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit enters. So you have this, this timeline of this evolution of God. Well, that is really not right. Um, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were present from the beginning and are present now. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but that was something I had to wrap my head around um, because I, I had this sort of chopped up, timed out, linear understanding of, of the, the Trinity of God. I wonder if you have a, a common um, thought there too. Yeah, I think... Um so there's, we talked about this last week as well. There's this mystery surrounding the Holy Spirit, and rightfully so. Um, the name Holy Ghost probably doesn't do any favors toward that, <laughs> toward that end. Um, that sounds a little odd to our ears these days. Um, but one of the things I think that is commonly a misconception about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit only acts in those kinds of Pentecost, big, huge tongues of fire, uh, miraculous healing, maybe speaking in, in tongues kinds of ways. And certainly God's Spirit manifests itself that way uh, throughout Scripture and, and throughout lived history. Um, but that's not the only way that the Spirit is present. And so we're going to, again, look at some other ways that God's Spirit is present. Um, uh, but just wanted to just mention that up front because I think sometimes that's the feeling is that, oh yeah, there was this thing called Pentecost or, oh yeah, there's this part of the world where some reason they experience God's spirit differently, but that's not normal for us. And I, so I just, that's, a, that's another yeah. kind of thing that cloudies, uh, clouds up our kind of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and, and how the spirit works in the world. Absolutely. And then, and, then, and then that can cause us to feel like, well, if I haven't had this extraordinary experience, then I must not know the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think one of the other ways we continue to learn about who the Holy Spirit is is to hear our stories. And we're trying to do that by sharing these lay testimonies um, by video that we're pushing out. Uh, and also last week, like I got to share with Vern my, my experience of the Holy Spirit. I wondered if you could take a few minutes today to share with us what has been your observation or experience of how the Holy Spirit maybe has, has been present in your life or the world around you. Yeah. So. Uh Another way of looking at this question might be, how does God speak to you? Or how have you noticed God speaking in your life? And Because I, I believe that is the work of the Holy right. Spirit as well. And so I can't say that I have audibly heard the voice of God, but I have heard without mistake that God was trying to communicate to me in, in some different times throughout my life. And, and I think that's the Holy Spirit at work. Um, one of them was just, I, this was probably, well, let's see, 1998 is a long time ago. Um, 22 years ago, I was graduating college and moving out to Denver, Colorado. Well, actually, before that, sorry. I was looking for a job <laughs> when I graduated college. And I had gone out to different places to do interviews and things. And this company in Denver caught my eye. I wanted to ski, um, so I wanted to be by the mountain. So I looked, I studied computer. 
computers in undergrad, so uh, I was looking for software companies to work for. And I had interviewed at a lot of other places before I went there. I had some other job offers on the table. But when I arrived at this company, and I had only communicated with them via email um, because I had, I had seen their company and I was interested in them. And so I sent them an email and said, hey, I'd love to talk to you. They flew me out there and, uh, to do an interview. And as I was walking up, like literally walking up the steps to the building, something just mm -hmm. came over me that said, hey, this is, this is it. Like, this is where you're going to work next. Oh, wow. And like I said, it wasn't an audible thing, but it was very much a knowing. I mean, it was in my soul. I knew that mm -hmm. oh, this is, this is going to be it. Everything's going to be fine. And so I, like I said, hadn't met anybody in the company yet face-to-face, -face, hadn't been asked a single interview question, but I knew before I even walked through the door, this is the next chapter in my life is going to be a part of this company. And so it made the interview a lot easier, right? right? Because I didn't have, there was no pressure. <laughs> nice I felt happened like, before rather than yeah, after. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I, just, I think hearing our stories helps us to begin to recognize how the Holy Spirit might be working in our lives when we see how it has and is working in other people's lives. Well, the other way that we can begin to answer this question of who is the Holy Spirit is by looking at Scripture. And so I'm going to share a couple of Scripture verses, and Jeff's going to share a couple of Scripture verses to continue to paint this picture and deepen our understanding. And the first two passages are coming from the same part of the Bible. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, uh, is it, this, is, this is the upper room. This is Jesus with the disciples and the gathered believers that last night that he has with them. And he's trying to offer his final teaching to them. And in that process, he's he, they don't get it, but he's trying to tell them, look, I'm not going to be with you forever, but I promise that I'm going to send someone in my stead that will help you. And so let's see what Jesus says about who the Holy Spirit is as he's talking to the disciples. Chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. So there are several things that we can learn about the Holy Spirit from just these few verses. And first of all, and maybe most importantly, Jesus is establishing that this Holy Spirit, it is coming from God, it is coming from Jesus, that Jesus talked to the disciples about, well, and the Pharisees, about he was of God, he was from God, that he and God were one. And so he's kind of establishing the Trinity here, that uh, the Holy Spirit also comes forth from the same place that he has come from, the same place that God comes from. The other thing that Jesus promises is that the Spirit will be with them forever. And while that might not mean a lot to them right in that moment in the upper room, just one day later, if they can remember this conversation, it becomes incredibly important. Um, also, Jesus talks about the Spirit as a spirit of truth. And, and we'll hear this phrase a couple of times, but uh, that is significant because Jesus is reminding them that the spirit of truth will do just like Jesus did to help them um, to be able to provide the correct, accurate story to the disciples, that they will, will have the spirit of truth to guide them. And then this verse also, if you caught it, it reminds them that the Holy Spirit is not seen 
that it's not a physical presence, that it's more of an abiding and an indwelling presence. And that right there is confusing because Jesus came in human form. The disciples could wrap their head around that. Jesus was right there in front of them. But the Holy Spirit does not manifest itself in that bodily form. And so it makes it more mysterious just by the nature of the Holy Spirit. And so with that, so Jesus obviously was a man who walked the earth, right? Mm -hmm. What about the Holy Spirit? Right, so, so um, the, well, and even in the scripture passage, it talks about the spirit as him, but there was not a bodily indwelling. And so what makes this um, a little bit confusing is this language around um, him and he, where uh, actually what's going on is linguistic. The word that John uses is paraclete, which, um, I'll talk about here in a second, has all kinds of meanings, but it was a male pronoun. I mean, it was a male noun. And English doesn't have that gender kind of delineation or distinction, but Greek did. And so unless he was gonna use paraclete every single time, he would use the, the male, the masculine pronoun. Um, but that, doesn't del- that really doesn't delineate that nature of the Holy Spirit as male or female. Um, right. It's, it's, so God is transcendent of yeah. gender, right? So even though he was embodied in Jesus Christ, right, right. we have the spirit. And that, I think that also adds a little bit to the ambiguity, the, the mm-hmm. mystery. Right. Um, but the of power the of mm-hmm. God being yeah. so much more than just a human image or form. Um, and this word paraclete, that, that's the word that the Greek uses here. And that word has several meanings. It can mean um, to exhort or um, encourage. It can mean to comfort and console. It also can mean to call upon for help. And it also can mean to make an appeal on behalf of someone. And so for John to choose that word, when, when people would hear paraclete in the original language, they would, he meant all of those meanings and they would think of all of those meanings. And that's a shortcoming of the English translation. We don't have a word that encompasses all of those um, um, nuances. And so you'll see in your English translations that this word gets translated differently. It may be comforter or advocate or counselor. I just read from the Common English Bible and it chose to use the word companion. Um, I, I would love for us to use paraclete, but I'm afraid too many of us would think of a small, colorful little bird in a cage that's a pet, like a parakeet, and it just doesn't translate so well for us in English. Um, but Jesus was that paraclete in person. He was the comforter and the advocate and the counselor and the companion. And then um, the Holy Spirit will come post-ascension and be that paraclete. So a second verse that adds a little bit more um, instruction or insight into who the Holy Spirit is comes in the next chapter, chapter 15, verses 26 through 27. And Jesus says, he's continuing this long teaching, and he says, when the companion, the paraclete, comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, we've heard that before, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify too, because you have been with me from the beginning. And so again, Jesus coming, I mean, the Spirit coming from God and from Jesus and the Spirit of truth, which... Uh, 
helps us to, to, Jesus is saying you can trust the Holy Spirit to be trustworthy. You can, you can count on that um, because of being the spirit of truth. And therefore, what you will say will also be trustworthy because the spirit will help you to be trustworthy and accurate in your retelling of Jesus's story. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is to help us testify, is to help us continue to, to spread the good news and to share the story of Jesus with as many people as possible. Um, so um, that's, that's some of the work of the Holy Spirit. I wondered if you could help us continue to, to broaden and deepen our understanding. Yeah, so, so we've been looking in Acts and in John in the New Testament, but again, this, and this gets at the misconception, Lori Beth, that you mentioned earlier about the sort of timeline of God's uh, appearance in, in humanity. Um, the Spirit was there in the very beginning, like the, the very, very beginning, like the, like the first part of the Bible. Um, and so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, um, starting at verse 2. Uh, well, I'll start at verse 1. So might as well start right in the beginning, right? Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And that wind from God that swept over the face of the waters, in some other translations, that's, that's translated in the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And so we see, again, right away in the, in the very, very beginning uh, of, the Christ, of the story of, of God in the world, um, the Spirit is there. And incidentally, uh, this is being Trinity Sunday, we might as well say the same thing about Jesus, yeah. right? When we're introduced to Jesus in John's gospel, we hear that uh, the Word was, was with God in the beginning, right? Um, and, and so John's very clear that Jesus and the Spirit both uh, all existed from the beginning yep. in relationship to one another as the Trinity. And so again, we're, we're going to, gosh, we could say a whole lot about the Trinity, but I think we'll leave right. it there right? <laughs> and go back For to now. the Holy Spirit. Um, but I just want to, again, just mention that since we see the Spirit of God at work and active throughout all of Scripture from the, from the first verses, um, we see the Spirit show up in different times and in different places for specific tasks. So we read, for example, that Gideon, the Spirit of God fell on Gideon for leadership. Um, the Spirit of God came upon Samson when he encountered a lion and he was able to tear the lion apart. Um, that's a crazy manifestation of the Spirit, right? Um, that's some power. Uh, the Spirit came upon Saul and David when they were anointed king in order to, uh, to be with them and to guide them to help guide God's people um, for leadership. So there are a lot of ways uh, Elisha gets a, a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Obviously, the Spirit is poured out on the prophets. We hear uh, the prophets will proclaim, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to, right. to proclaim good news uh, yeah. to, the cap or to the poor and, and release to the captives. So again, lots of instances throughout all of Scripture where God's Spirit is present takes a little bit of a turn though at Pentecost and so we'll, we'll kind of delineate that in, in just a second. Um, so I do want to jump forward back to John again um, and this is from John chapter 3 verse 8 and it's in Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus um, talking about being born again and, uh, and Nicodemus is trying to figure out what in the world that means um, and this is what Jesus says, God's spirit, John chapter 3 verse 8, God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear it sound but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so again, this, this idea of the Spirit being, uh, I mean, we have reason to know that the Spirit is a little bit mysterious, right? right? I mean, 
God's Spirit goes where God's Spirit wants to go and does what it wants to do. Uh, we cannot control it. We can't keep it in a box. We can't predict what, what God's going to be up to. Um, but we know that God's Spirit is at work um, from the beginning all the way through until now. And I, just a quick note about that word um, spirit. Uh, the word here in this context is pneuma in, in the Greek. Um, in the Old Testament is ruach. And that's the same, the same idea, but it can mean spirit. Um, it can mean wind, as we saw in, in, the, in the beginning. It can also mean, uh, it can also mean breath. Mm. And so when Jesus is on the cross and he gives up his spirit, he gives up his breath, he gives up his pneuma. It's all the same, it's all the same concept. And so, again, this, this idea, especially when we get to Pentecost and we hear the rushing wind and, um, and God's spirit, it's, it's a moving and active thing that, that can't be manipulated, can't be controlled, uh, goes where it will. Um, but it's a, it, it, like I said, it's an active, it's an active thing. And, and, and I think those images of breath, spirit, uh, wind are all good ones to help us try to try to get our minds around right. who is the Holy Spirit. Right. Thank you for that. I, I think when we look at, again, this question, who is the Holy Spirit and what Scripture is trying to, to teach us and show us, I believe an answer to that question is, is can't be as simple as this, that the Holy Spirit is this continuation, this continuing presence of Jesus after he's ascended to heaven, mm-hmm. that that's who the Holy Spirit is for us. And I believe if we can understand um, who the Holy Spirit was to those disciples in that post-resurrection, post-ascension time, then we can understand who the Holy Spirit is for us today. And so I invite us to think about that in a little more detail, that the disciples truly were facing this incredible crisis, first after Jesus died on the cross. I mean, they were completely lost at that moment. But um, even then, Jesus comes back post-resurrection for a season and then eventually ascends into heaven. And that's the second crisis because Jesus is no longer with them. So who are they going to follow? Who is going to help keep them on track? Who's going to help them understand um, accurately and clearly? And if, if our best revelation of God is in fact the incarnate Jesus, then what happens when that incarnate Jesus is no longer present? Does that mean that this best revelation was only available for that one generation, for those three years where they got to understand and see and under, you know, be with Jesus? Or for just this one point in time? And I say the answer to that question is no, Absolutely not. And the reason is because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that's been the role of the Holy Spirit all along, even from creation, bringing order into creation with that wind over those chaotic waters, that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring order now, even after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And the sense that the Holy Spirit's not creating a new ministry, Jesus created the ministry, but the Holy Spirit is now here with us, with the disciples then, with us now, thousands of years later to continue the presence, experience, and the the power of Jesus. Um, And and another piece of this that's important, I think, to notice is that the Holy Spirit came to the community, came to the community of believers. It was not one individual. It wasn't just Peter. 
The Holy Spirit didn't just land on Peter. It didn't just land on any one of the disciples. And it wasn't even just the 12 disciples. It was the whole gathered community. And the Holy Spirit, I think, moves and lives and does its best work in and among our Christian community. And so last week when I shared with with Vern, I shared a little bit about God whispers, which is almost kind of what you experienced before your interview, just this sense of of God speaking within that indwelling Mm -hmm. that we've talked about. But another powerful way that I mentioned was, and regularly for me, is within the power of worship. Singing holy, holy, holy this morning, I was like, oh, yes, that that's the gathered community. Um, And the Spirit moves among us as community where two or more gathered, the Spirit will be present with us. And and so the Spirit does move um, among us um, as believers. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder... What are your thoughts around um, who the Holy Spirit is for us today and what that begins to look like? So I think one of, the, um, one of the coolest things about Pentecost that I think is sometimes lost on us if we haven't looked back at the, the history of the God's Spirit active in, in all of Scripture and in all of humanity, um, one of the things that, that we don't realize is what a, what a big deal Pentecost mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's the birthday of the church. None of us would be here without it uh, because precisely, like you said, God's Spirit showed up in the community and the community carried forward that message of, of who Jesus is for all, for all mankind, for all humankind. And so um, I think we lose some of that. But if you think back for just a second, God's presence in, in the Old Testament is described as having dwelt in either in the Ark of the Covenant, like we mm. talked about a couple weeks ago, um, or once the temple is set up, um, God's presence dwells in the Holy of Holies, in this, in this tiny place in the back that, that was inaccessible to everyone except for the high priest and only on one day of the year, um, the Day of Atonement, could the priest go back. That's how you got to experience God's presence in, in that time. And so when you fast forward to Pentecost, all of a sudden now, the Spirit is poured out on all people, on sons and daughters. And, and God's Spirit is available, not, not behind. Remember when Jesus died, the, the veil was in right. the temple, right? And the, and the veil was torn. Uh, that was symbolic of God's, God unleashing a new thing, um, God's presence connecting to humanity in a new way. Um, and that is the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love this teaching. Uh, uh, somebody I know who's a, a Bible scholar talks about how the, the rabbis talk about the Spirit of God in the same way that they talk about, um, they talk about that word ruach as, as breath. Yeah. And so when you see in the Old Testament the description of, of God named as Yahweh, um, they believe that 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 name, Yahweh, could even represent the breath or the spirit of God. As you breathe in, Yahweh, could it be that God's spirit, God's presence is as close as your very breath? Mm. And I love that imagery. And Paul goes on to talk about how uh, you are God's, you are the temple of God's spirit. Now God's presence, God's spirit dwells in you. And so that's what I think makes so Pentecost so exciting and so important for us today because it's not just this thing that happened at that time, but it, it's an ongoing indwelling, an ongoing manifestation, an ongoing uh, realization of God's work among us and God's presence with us. Right. That is powerful. Thank you for, for um, oh man, I just love that point you just made. So, so, so what? 
what, why go into all of this understanding of the Holy Spirit? So here's our hope for you this morning. That too many of us are either ambivalent or um, skeptical about this Holy Spirit or we don't really understand how the Holy Spirit might work in our lives. And I believe this to be such a missed opportunity because the Holy Spirit can help us experience our faith at such a deeper level. And I do think that some folks experience their faith so much in their mind and their intellect. And one of the things that makes the Holy Spirit a little disconcerting is that it just by nature invites us to our heart and to the sense of experiencing God. That we think about all of these ways we've already described the Holy Spirit, that they're so sensory oriented. Wind, breath, fire, um, comforter, that they invoke our senses to feel and sense and hear and see the movement of the Holy Spirit, not just to intellectually comprehend something. And so um, the Holy Spirit moves us out of our brain into our hearts and that's enough to make some people uncomfortable. And our invitation today is to just trust the Holy Spirit and see what kind of heart experience the Holy Spirit has in store for you or wants to share with you. Um, and I also think that, that it's just so important and exciting for us to grasp that the Holy Spirit is, it brings our faith and our beliefs into the here and now. That some folks question, like they don't question the power of Jesus. They hear the stories of Jesus and they agree. Wow, powerful, powerful testimony. But they get stuck in this historical, not hysterical, but historical perspective of what does this man that lived 2,000 years ago have to do with me today? Well, understanding the Holy Spirit helps bring Jesus alive for us right now. Um, And I think as part of God's masterful plan to keep the revelation and the teaching of Jesus alive and well every day for us until Jesus comes again in final victory, which is the language we'll hear again in a minute with Holy Communion um, that we know is promised. And so hopefully we've laid a foundation that is helpful for all of us to begin to understand more deeply who the Holy Spirit is and that we can feel more comfortable looking for and inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives. And particularly as we are praying for the Holy Spirit to pour out on our church right now this summer um, and to understand that the Holy Spirit is this continuation of, of Jesus um, in our lives, a connection to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a way in which God's word comes alive for us 2,000 years later. The Holy Spirit is this interface between us and God. So my longing for you, um, it's my longing for myself and it is my longing for you that the Holy Spirit can work its presence in your life each and every day. And while I might not fully understand all of the ways in which the Holy Spirit works, I long to sense that paraclete nearby, assuring, guiding, challenging, comforting uh, me along my faith journey and you along your faith journey. And to understand a little bit more so we're not afraid, confused, intimidated, or choose to ignore the Holy Spirit. So next week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit functions. And, you know, I wonder, have you ever needed a comforter in your life? Have you ever needed an advocate in your life? 
But meanwhile, between now and then, let's pray for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come this summer. May it pour out on your lives, our lives, and on this church community here at Boone United Methodist Church. Come, Paraclete. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.